Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 16 of Revelation chapter 3. And we're looking at the last part of verse 7, which says, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. And we've come to the point in the verse of the statement, he that hath the key of David. And we wonder, well, what does that mean? We know that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in view. Eternal God is in view because the one that has the key of David is the same that is holy, the same that is true. And only God is holy. Only he is true and faithful. And so he also has the key of David. What is this key of David that has this ability to open and to open things that no man can open? And the key has the ability to shut things that no man can shut. Well, right away we realize that this is not referring to any kind of earthly key. Uh, keys on earth, we can open up our house door or doors to buildings. We we can lock them. We Men can open and, and shut many things on the earth. There's just so many things we couldn't even begin to list them. And so God isn't speaking of them. He must be speaking of something spiritual. And, and of course, that's true. The, that's what the Bible's concerned about, about spiritual things. And, and so the key of David that God only possesses, no one else has this key. It is involved with, or it has to do with God opening something in the spiritual realm, and once he has opened it, then no man can shut it. And God shutting something in the spiritual realm, again, once God has shut it, no man can ever open it. It, it is uh, uh, an exclusive right, uh, an exclusive ability that belongs only to God to um, to open these spiritual things and to shut these spiritual things. It, it is something that only God has the ability to do. Well, let's um, investigate. Let's look into the Word of God to see uh, what we can find out about this key of David. We see, for instance, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 22, we we see some statements that very much identify with what we're reading here in Revelation chapter 3. Actually, Revelation 3 seems to be a quote from Isaiah 22, and I'll, I'll begin reading in verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, 
So he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open. Now here, Eliakim um, most definitely is being used of God as a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the key of the house of David is being laid upon his shoulder. Remember that Isaiah 9 says the government shall be laid upon his shoulder in speaking of the Messiah Christ. And, and here, um, the statement continues that when once the key is laid upon the shoulder uh, of this Eliakim, who again is a picture of Jesus, then he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open. The, the key uh, is again stated to uh, to be able to open and shut. Well, n- now let let's look elsewhere, and uh, actually the book of Revelation will be very helpful in defining the key and what God has in view. In Revelation chapter one, it says in verse eighteen, "I am He that liveth and was dead." And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now, this is Christ. He's the only one that can make this statement, this declaration that he liveth and was dead and and is alive forevermore. There's no question it's Jesus. And Jesus is saying that he possesses the keys of hell and of death. Now, remember, the key operates just as it does in in, uh, the physical world. A key is applied to a lock, and it opens the lock. A key is applied to uh, an open lock, and it shuts the lock. It it locks it, so now no one can enter. And, and, And Christ has the keys of hell... And of death, he is the one uh, who is able to unlock, to open up the uh, spiritual condition of a sinner who is under the wrath of God. Every sinner in his sins prior to salvation is under the wrath of God and in, therefore, the condition of death. And it is Christ who delivers that person from that uh, spiritual condition translates them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of God's dear son and and first though he had to take the person out of darkness and and then move them to the light and and this was accomplished with the key and Jesus himself is this key He's the key that is able uh, to transport people spiritually from one kingdom to another. It was his work of saving his people from the foundation of the world that has given him the possession of the keys in the spiritual realm of sinners' fates, where he can also leave sinners in their sinful condition so that they remain under God's wrath and, and therefore 
it, 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 heaven's doors are shut to them. They, they can never escape the, the death that they are in. Well, we, we see Jesus utilizing these keys, uh, later in the book of Revelation in chapter 20. Now let, let's read from verse 1 of Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. Now, the Lord is saying an angel came down, and it, this angel could be none other but the Lord Jesus Christ, who possesses the keys of the house of David. We read in Revelation one eighteen, the one that was dead and is alive forevermore. Jesus only, no created being, no angelic being called an angel has the keys of hell and death. No, they don't have the keys of the house of David. Only Jesus does. And, and so here, Jesus is the angel or messenger. Remember, Malachi identifies Christ as the messenger of the covenant. And here he is the messenger come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. And the bottomless pit would be um, another way of saying hell or death. He, he has the keys of hell and a great chain in his hand. Now in verse 2, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So the Lord grabs a hold of the devil and casts him into the bottomless pit and shuts him up. That is, he turns the key and he locks him up and there he'll remain for the thousand year period, which is a figure of speech to represent the entire church age which worked out to be 1,955 years. And and uh, this locking up of the devil occurred once Jesus went to the cross. He bound the strong man, we read in, in the gospel accounts, in order to ransack his house, in order for the gospel to uh, circulate throughout the world and to free those prisoners held captive by Satan and sin in the the darkness of his kingdom. And, and so Jesus first bound the strong man, Satan, locked him up and, and uh, cast him into the bottomless pit, which is language indicating he was under the wrath of God in a condition of hell. And then uh, he, he locked him up for a point in time. But then uh, it says, in verse 7 of Revelation 20, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And, and how did that happen? Uh, did he manage to escape somehow? Did he break uh, through the door that, that Christ had shut and uh, come up out of the bottomless pit? No, he didn't do that on his own. Jesus once again applied the key. He has the keys of hell and death, and what he shuts, no man can open, nor fallen angel. No, 
no demon. Uh, Satan has no power to overcome what the Lord Jesus has done. It was entirely the will of God to apply the key once again in its proper season because now God had an end time plan that he must accomplish and Satan was to be utilized for that purpose of being as a servant to destroy the churches and congregations being used in order to rule as the beast in the church and the world to prepare the world for the day of judgment. And, and so he, uh, he was shut up and now he is loosed. Once Christ opened, once again, it's a figure. Uh, there, there is no literal place that Satan was put and, and then, uh, released from. But in this sense, in the spiritual realm, he was locked up, shut up, and then the lock was open and he was loosed. And we see what happens when Satan is loosed. All we have to do is look uh, at what's going on in the world over the last couple of decades and in our, in our present time. And we see the, the, uh, tremendous multiplication of sin in the church and in the world. What a horrible condition has developed as a result of the loosing of Satan. And yet it was all a result of the will of God. It was God's lifting his hand of restraint. Yes, from man's sin, but also in, in loosing Satan in the first place. It, it, um, it shows us that this is the will of God that these things are happening as we see them happen. All is happening according to the perfect will of God. And that's very helpful to us to understand. Well, let's also um, look at one one more verse in Revelation chapter 9 concerning this spiritual key that the Lord Jesus Christ has in his possession. It says in Revelation 9, beginning in verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And here, again, this star would be um, speaking of Christ, it, it, it's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, remember in Numbers 24, verse 17, we read of a star coming out of Jacob. And, and that was a messianic prophecy uh, that was looking ahead to the coming Messiah, to the Lord Jesus. And now again, he's called a star in Revelation 9, verse 1. When uh, the Apostle John is shown a vision of a star falling from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Well, uh, some have said, well, you see, the key is being given uh, to this star falling from heaven. And notice it says 
It, it, it speaks of the star in the masculine to him was given the key. And, and that's because again, it is Jesus. And, uh, and so some say, well, why is the, the key being given to Jesus if it's in his possession? Well, the, the key was given to him from the foundation of the world when he, um, accomplished the salvation when he wrought uh, the the salvation of all his elect, then he had the key of hell and of death. And so the key uh, has been given to him. And and it is the key that only he possesses. And, and God doesn't uh, give this kind of work of opening and shutting uh, to anyone else. He carries it out. He is the one, the only one that shuts and the only one that opens and and none can uh, hinder him uh, in in this work of his and now it's time it's the day of judgment when we get to revelation chapter 9 uh, and uh, we we can actually prove that but we're not going to get into a discussion of that uh, right now revelation 8 uh, began with the judgment on the churches, describing it as a judgment on the third part. And then this is the transition where that judgment, which begins at the house of God, expands to include all the earth, all the unsaved inhabitants of the world. And and uh, the first four uh, trumpet blasts have to do with the judgment on the church. And the last three trumpet blasts, now God is focused on the whole the whole world and so uh, jesus has the key once again of the bottomless pit and he opens the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit the smoke it it identifies with the wrath of god uh, as it goes on to say is the smoke of a great furnace a furnace is uh, a place of intense fire and heat this smoke is coming forth because it is the day when God is going to exact his vengeance upon sinners and he is a consuming fire and and now the wrath of God is being revealed it, it is uh, coming to fruition upon all of the sinners yes they've lived in the condition of being under the wrath of God but, you know, the Bible speaks of a particular day of the Lord. And even though sinners have been judged by God's word all through their life, yet there is a, a day, a special day, unlike any other day, that the Bible calls the day of the Lord, the day of his wrath, the day of his anger. And this is the day that the Bible has spoken of in which now God will will take action and he will uh, pour out his wrath uh, or he will give the cup of his wrath to all to drink. He, he will take the action in the spiritual realm of shutting the door to heaven or of putting out the light of the gospel or uh, many other pictures he uses to describe the, the same truth of ending his salvation plan for this world, never again will he save a sinner. And that happens on a particular day, 
the day of the Lord, and it it was not the case in time past, uh, even though men um, had the wrath of God abiding upon them, still, from their perspective, there was the hope, the possibility, well, perhaps I will not always abide under this wrath. Perhaps God uh, could save that individual or others could hope that for people. And that is no longer the case. The wrath of God has come. It is the day of his fury. And, and so the Lord Jesus opens the bottomless pit. Notice we do not read here that the beast ascends out of the bottomless pit. Some are misapplying the, um, that idea. They, they're, uh, confused about the timeline. They think that Revelation 9 uh, involves God's judgment on the churches, that it is, um, it is speaking of the loosing of Satan. And, and no, no, it says in Revelation chapter 11, in verse, verse 7, is of the, this referring to the two witnesses, and when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now the beast is the name that God has given to Satan for uh, the period of his rule during the time of the great tribulation. And here, this is the loosing of Satan. As, as we read in Revelation 20, he was bound throughout the church age, but then he must be loosed. And he was loosed May 21, 1988 for 23 years until May 21, 2011. And then his rule ceased. And and he came under the judgment of God as well as mankind and and so on. But notice when here the the beast is ascending out of the bottomless pit. He's coming up out of the pit. That that was a one time occurrence. He didn't continually come up out of the pit. He came up once when he was loosed. And and in Revelation nine it just says that uh Christ, typified by the star, opened the bottomless pit. And what comes up? Smoke out of the pit. There arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. We don't read of any beast or devil or Satan or anything like that coming up at this point. We don't read that the locust or are overcoming the saints. No, their judgment is upon the people of the world. They're, they're not judging the saints of God. It's a, a, a misapplication to think that Revelation 9 is speaking of the same thing as Revelation 11 verse 7. It is not. God is indicating now that the wrath of God is upon the world. It is judgment day for the inhabitants of the world. That's what Revelation 8, 13 said. Let me read it. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. 
by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. And then we read in Revelation 9 of of what's happening to the inhabitants of the earth. And that's that's a very important and insignificant statement that that is being made in Revelation 8:13. Remember back in Jeremiah 25 where the Lord speaks of the cup of his wrath first being given to the city called by his name in uh Jeremiah 25 verse 29 he says there for lo I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name and that has to do with God beginning the judgment process on the churches and then he says and should ye be utterly unpunished now he's turning his attention to the world he shall not be unpunished for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth saith Jehovah of hosts that's the same statement in Revelation 8:13 and and just as Revelation chapter 8 first deals with the third part God's judgment on the third part of the sun and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars and the third part of this and the third part of that because the third part represents those in the church then following that uh, in-depth emphasis of the judgment of God upon the third part he concludes it by saying, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the next three trumpets. Just as Jeremiah 25 first uh, details the judgment uh, on the city called by his name and then turns uh, to the world, you will not be utterly unpunished. No, I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth. And and Revelation 9, we have to understand this if we're to understand the other information in that chapter has nothing to do, nothing to do with the judgment on the church, only insofar as the church has become a part of the world and and a part of Satan's kingdom and therefore a part of Babylon. And they also are being uh, judged additionally since they're unsaved with everyone else in the world, the shutting of the door to heaven uh, impacts the unsaved in the congregations as well as the unsaved in the world once God has done it. But the emphasis that God is making in Revelation 9 is judgment on the world. The world now is the focus of God's attention concerning his wrath.